Hello and welcome to Agape Latte. Agape Latte is a storytelling series for students that features personal stories delivered by a faculty member, staff member, or administrator at the University of Dayton to share lessons about their intersection of faith and everyday life. Presenters use story sharing to help students explore how their passions, strengths, and gifts can be used to make the world a better place. Listen with an open mind and heart to hearing God working in your life and in the lives of others. This is the lovely Dr. Jennifer Dalton. Thank you so much for being here. She is the program director of the dietetics and nutrition department. And to start us off, uh, we have a few fun facts from her. So she is a first generation college graduate. After graduating from college, she married her husband who is an Air Force officer and they moved 11 times in 16 years before being stationed back to Ohio with their two sons. And she has been to all but two states and she loves road trips. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. All right, well thank you all for inviting me here tonight. I'm excited to be here. Um, how many of you came here today thinking, oh, we are going to hear a great love story? Because that's what they said. Any of you? Some of you. Okay. So let's think about those love stories in our life, whether it's a love story that you've experienced in your life, or maybe one of those great love stories that you read over and over in print, or you watch many times. What are some of those great love stories you like to hear about? You'll have to yell really loud. Titanic, okay. Titanic is one. Shrek. Shrek, that is another. Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. What are some others from this side? Cinderella. Notebook. What was that? Cinderella. Cinderella. I thought you said umbrella. I was like, haven't heard of that one. <laughs> Cinderella, okay. Anyone Pride and Prejudice? The long, oh, hold on a second. It's the long version. Colin Firth, BBC, that is the real Pride and Prejudice. All right, the other one's okay too. If you need just a quick fix for Pride and Prejudice that you can watch it in what, an hour, hour and a half or less, and you don't have six hours to watch it. So we've all experienced a, one, some type of a love story, whether it's been in our real life or whether it's been in print or something we watched. What makes a great love story? You guys didn't think you were going to help me with this talk tonight. What makes a great love story? Sacrifice. Sacrifice that people are going to. Ooh, sorry. That people are going to sacrifice for one another. What else? Challenges. Challenges like overcoming challenges, facing obstacles, maybe having that special someone help you face those obstacles. What are some others? Vulnerability. Oh boy, I know that one tonight. I was just saying uh, to a student of mine who mentioned that she heard about my talk or saw that my talk was going to be here and I thought, oh my gosh, people know that I'm talking tonight. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, really? Oh no. And uh, we had the chance to connect again later and I said, I apologize for my response. I realized after saying that that um, I wasn't stepping up to the plate like I asked my students to step up to the plate, to have courage to be vulnerable, 
So I shared with her, please do come to my talk today. She is here tonight. And um, I will walk the talk of what I ask each of my students to do every day, which is have the courage to be vulnerable. So yes, vulnerability. So thank you, Maddie, for coming. Um, and my MSC house that I'm a mentor for. Thank you. And the Paul's house, special guest. And everyone for coming tonight. Anyways, you'll see I get off track sometimes. So what are some other characteristics or criteria for a great love story? What about love at first sight? Think about a movie and you're like, whoo, he's hot or she's good looking. <laughs> I hope those two hook, uh, get connected. <laughs> <laughs> there's some good chemistry. You know, there's that tension building up. Like they're meant for each other. Come on, guys, you can do it. Um, there's that opportunity for growth and renewal. I mean, Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth Bennett, if they could just get out of their judgments about each other, they could get to being a couple so much more quickly. But we go through three to four hours of tension before we see, oh my gosh, they're going to come together. So, and for each person, they enter into to becoming more fully or wholly who they're called to be. And then in many of those great love stories, there's a great theme song or there's some great love letter written or some beautiful poem that perfectly frames that relationship. And it represents the purpose and that meaning those in, of those individuals coming together. So tonight, I'm going to share with you a love story from my life, <clears throat> and it will have many of these elements that we just shared. So a little bit more about myself. I'm the second oldest of four kids. There's two, two older sisters, myself and my sister, and my two younger brothers. My parents are both Catholic, but each had really different experiences growing up with their Catholic faith. My dad did not have a faith practice that I recall from my childhood. I guess that's as long as my leash goes. Um, <laughs> my mom did, however, talk with us about our Catholic faith on a regular basis, and she made sure we made our sacraments and that we attended Mass on Sundays. Early in our childhood, our parents moved us to the country where my mom put us in a small rural Catholic school system. Life felt hard, but life felt beautiful. My parents worked really hard to make our life different for us. They worked really hard to make ends meet. My mom had hopes and dreams for her kids, for her family, but in particular, she had some sp pretty specific dreams for her daughters. She had a strong desire for her girls to go to college. My mom never went to college. My dad didn't go to college. School was difficult for my dad, and we knew that growing up. So after moving to the country to give us a different life, my parents had to work harder. They had to work longer. They had to work multiple jobs, and sometimes there was unemployment. My mom would drive us 30 minutes to school in the morning in the opposite direction of her work, and then she'd drop us off, and she would drive another 45 minutes to work that day. We'd hang out at school at this new school, had some great opportunities. It's a neat place to meet friends. 
and to um, get to do some pretty fun things at that school. At the end of the day, my mom would drive that hour or 45 minutes to come pick us up, drive the 30 minutes to get us all home, and we'd all sit down at the table and have dinner. There were five of us at the, at the dinner table. <clears throat> so that dinner time was pretty special to us. There was a lot of joking around. There was a lot of playfulness. But there was also fractured communication in our family. There were shadows seeping in from the past. And despite the deep love that our parents had for us, at times they were emotionally unavailable to us. Throughout my childhood, even though I knew my family loved me, I oftentimes felt like I was on the outside looking in. Life felt hard. Life felt beautiful. But when we moved to the country, my world opened up to me. I explored the woods. We had some pretty cool woods. We had streams in the woods. There were vines hanging off the tree. You learned pretty quick which ones to swing off of and which ones not to. Um, we had streams where I was fascinated with all the footprints, um, the animal prints that were in the stream. I would make casts of them. Um, I really enjoyed exploring the woods and seeing what was out there. We lived in the city and I didn't have that before, so it was neat to explore that in our woods. The neighbors had a pond, so in the wintertime we would ice skate. In the summertime we would fish at the pond. I learned that spit on your worm is the best way to catch the best fish. We, put in, um, we would pick berries at the fence line. We put in a garden. That was my parents' way. They both worked. We were home by ourselves often. So I often say to my parents, I know why you put that big, big garden in. We each had our rows. We each had to keep them free of weeds and make sure the bugs were not on the plants. We also learned how to ride horses, to raise goats and rabbits as well. I would often escape to the woods or to the barn to be alone in thought. This is where I remember first meeting him. I was lying in the hayloft, pondering what to make of my life and how I was supposed to be in this world where I always felt like I was on the outside looking in. In this moment of thought, <clears throat> he entered as a gentle breeze. I felt this great sense of peace, groundedness, and comfort. It was almost as if it was love at first sight. I went to nature frequently after this to find where he was and to just sit with him and to feel his presence because every time I sought him out and sat in his presence. I felt seen, I felt heard, I felt worthy. Oh, how grateful I was to have met him and to be able to go to him. I never felt I was on the outside looking in when I was with him. All I had to do was show up and be present and I could find him wherever I looked. Soon I started to have conversation with him trusting him with all of my inner secrets, worries, happiness, joyful moments, light was coming into my world. I started to ask him to walk with me in difficult situations, 
when I felt outside of things or alone, and when I needed more confidence. I invited him to walk alongside me, to help me carry the load when it felt too heavy. And you know, in all honesty, a lot of the time, he was probably carrying me. I then thought, wow, we've got some good chemistry going on. He's always here for me. He listens. He hasn't left yet. <laughs> he must think I'm pretty cool. I'm going to take him with me to some celebrations. So I invited him to family celebrations. I always sought him out there to see how he would be with my family and with celebrations with friends. We had good chemistry, and he had rescued me and helped me come overcome obstacles. Things seemed brighter and more hopeful with him in my life. While I still felt like I was on the outside looking in, my heart was opening to my meaning and purpose. He helped me to see the gifts in viewing the world on the outside looking in. You see, in that space, I could see things that other people often overlooked. And just as we invited each other into this space for each other, I could hold space in a similar way for other people that I met in my life. I could see him in more places the more I held space for people. He was helping me to grow to renew, and to discover. So let me give you an example of what that means to hold space for someone. When we hold space for someone, it's creating a space where people feel safe, that they can share what they want to share, and empathy and compassion are present, as well as non-judgment. And I learned this, I remember experiencing this a lot during my high school years. In high school, my mom asked me to get a job. My older sister didn't have to get a job. Why did Jenny have to get a job? Jenny had to get a job. So I got a job at a nursing home, and I worked in the kitchen. Our job, we had tasks in those four hours. Fix the trays, deliver the trays, tell the patients to, or the residents to eat the food, write down what they ate, what they didn't eat, pick up the trays, take them to the dish room, wash the dishes, put everything away, fill the supplement cart, walk the supplements around and give the supplements to the people who didn't eat all their dinner. And that's what the job was, pretty straightforward. But I noticed things from the outside looking in. I noticed that people had lost loved ones. In particular, there was a woman who had lived with her husband in the nursing home. He had passed about a month prior, and she started, to, she started going downhill. They always showed up to dinner in grand form. He wore his dinner jacket, she wore her dress, and they walked in arm in arm. But they had a great time. I also noticed when I had been delivering supplements that they would sit in their room side by side in their chairs, drinking their milk, drinking their juice, whatever that beverage was for them, laughing and talking. 
So as I saw her sitting alone at the table, and despite the prodding of the nursing staff, come on, eat, eat, she picked at her food a little bit. So that night I thought, well, I'm going to take the supplements around and I'm going to pop in and see how she's doing. So I stopped in and I said, hey, I called her by her name, but um, would you like to have drinks tonight with me? She perked up. She was like, okay. And I said, I brought your drink today. Here's a drink for you. Let me go get my drink at the bar and I'll come back and visit you and we can have drinks tonight. And she said, okay. So I clocked out. I came back to her room. We sat down and honestly, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to drink my drink and probably stay for about 15 minutes. But throughout my shift, I kept hearing go to her, seek her out, be with her. So I knew there was a purpose in my being there to seek her out. And as we sat down and enjoyed our beverage together, I found out that she and her husband had created this ritual where they would, at the end of the day, they'd have their dinner, wash their kids out, put their kids to bed, and they would sit down and have a drink. Now that drink at the time was a glass of wine and a glass of scotch. But um, every night she and her husband would talk about their day, sitting together with their drink, sharing that moment together. And after 70 years of marriage, she no longer had that space. That was love for her. In that space with her husband, she experienced love. And in that one night together, sitting, listening to her story, I saw God's love in that moment. He was present. He needed the door open to come into her space again. We had a great time and we continued that ritual for quite some time. That's what holding space is. There were many interactions like that that helped me to feel like I was really entering more wholly into being into this world. I survived high school. High school was rough for me. School was hard for me. It did not come easy for me. I struggled, but made it through college as the first college graduate in my family. I got married. I earned my credential to be a practicing dietitian and I moved around a lot with my husband and we had a great time. And I landed the best job anybody could ever ask for and I didn't even ask for it. Being a boy mom. Being a mom is one role that took me closest to the fullest realization of my meaning and purpose. I appreciated getting to know him through the place that we moved, through my children growing up, through the people I knew and the communities that we were becoming a part of in all of the moving around that we were doing. During this time though, I also experienced some really tough and some really scary times. I lost my first pregnancy. I had an emergency delivery with my second pregnancy and my third pregnancy, I had a life-altering or life-threatening 
medical event. But he was always there. He always showed up. He was there with me in the good times, the really scary times, and the tough times. Life felt hard. Life felt beautiful. Then, one day, he was gone. I remember that day like it was today. He left me. I felt a vast emptiness. The light was gone. You know, I don't know the exact moment it happened, but I believe it happened quietly over time. I just wasn't paying attention to him anymore. We had just moved to a new house. My mother-in-law had just moved in, and I was her caregiver. I was helping our boys transition to yet another school, and I was transitioning out of my favorite role in my life, a full-time mom. I was stepping into full-time work. I was trying to figure out where I fit in. Oops, I forgot I'm attached to you. <laughs> I realized he was gone. So I thought, all right, I haven't seen him for a while. I need to go find him. So I went to the big places. I thought, we're not going to just go out to nature to find him because he wasn't coming when I asked him to come, when I expected him to always be there. So I went to the big places. I went to church because when you want to see God, you go to church. He wasn't there. I went to the Blessed Sacrament room. I couldn't find him. So I thought, all right, I'll go back to the beginning. I didn't go back to my hayloft. I went to different trails, and I probably hiked just about every trail there is in the Miami Valley region that year, seeking him out, hoping he would come to me. I couldn't find him. I was so angry. He left me. How could God leave me? And if God could leave me, then I must not be worthy. He doesn't love me anymore. He, how could he if he's not here, if he doesn't show up when he asks me? You see, my shadows from my past and my ego were leading my narrative in my head. They probably had been leading my life for quite some time. Ever so sneakily, they sneak in. They now covered any glimpse of light that remained. Not only was I on the outside looking in, but at this point, I was at the bottom of a dark well looking up. I was grief-stricken. I felt alone, and I felt really hard. Then one day, it was a particularly tough day. I was driving home from work, and I was fed up. I prayed out loud. I'm sure if people drove by me, they were like, boy, she's really having a conversation with somebody. God, why did you leave me? Do you not love me? Am I unlovable? I want you in my life. There has got to be more to this life, but you have to be in it. What am I to do without you? And then I heard this song. The most beautiful grace, humility, love, and self-compassion 
rushed over me. This was the telling of our love story. This was the telling of his love story for us. Think about it. He desired me. He desired all of us and knew us by name even before time began. He has a purpose for me. He is always pursuing. Am I inviting him in? Holding space for him. Opening myself up to let his love flow through. Even in my blaming, my anger, and my not seeking him, he pursues. He wants to be in relationship. And he needs us to open ourselves to love him fully. Because he saw something, he sees something, even before time began. He saw something in each one of us. Life is hard. Life is oh so beautiful. When we create space for God, God's love is perfected. His love can be reflected in those spaces. My journey to knowing God has helped me with the discernment of my purpose and meaning in life. I have a lot of roles in my life. I'm mom. My son's in the audience. Uh, that's why I keep looking that way. <laughs> I'm mom. I'm wife. I'm daughter. I'm sister. I'm teacher. I'm colleague. I'm friend. <clears throat> I'm dietitian. But there's one shared purpose through each of these roles that I serve. In each moment of life, how am I inviting God into the space so that his love can be reflected and perfected? How am I opening my eyes to see God loved and reflected through the person across the table from me? And sometimes the person sitting across the table from me, I have to look really hard but I bet they feel the same way about me sometimes. While this may sound simple, it is the hardest work of my journey. It's the hardest work in our relationship. I have learned that relationships take a lot of work. They require humility. They require patience. Developing a mindfulness, a willingness to suspend judgment, and the courage to be vulnerable. How am I inviting him to my office, to the table, to our learning spaces, to my friendships, to my chance encounters with people where he wants to be seen and those maybe not so uh, well thought of places where you might like think you might see him because life can feel hard and life can feel beautiful before I finish tonight it's important for me to acknowledge as an author of this story I want to give author credits my mom played an important part in this love story so I gave you the middle parts but the first chapter goes to my mom. At a time when my mom was going through a really tough time, she was the person who invited me to seek him out. She shared, Jenny, 
I am doing the best I can do right now. I cannot give any more than what I've given. If you need more, please know you are blessed with another father and mother who are always there for you, God the Father and Mary our mother. Whatever you need that I cannot give you on this earth, seek them out to provide it. And I'll have to tell you, as a child, I was a little miffed when my mom said that because I wanted my mom. I needed more from my mom. But now I look and see that my mom's courage to say, this is all I have, seek him, was chapter one in my love story. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to our Agape Latte podcast today. Agape Latte is sponsored by Campus Ministry and the Office for Mission and Rector. 